June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Breaking news tonight, caucus confusion and chaos. Iowa Democrats begin releasing results nearly a day after the caucus ended. Do we have a winner? And with candidates and voters angry, is the future of the Iowa caucus in doubt? Victory lap? The president heads to Capitol Hill for the State of the Union. With an acquittal all but certain in his Senate trial and his poll numbers higher than ever, will he talk impeachment? Plus, our exclusive interview with Senator Susan Collins, why she broke with her party on impeachment witnesses, and if she'll vote to remove the president from office. Should the president apologize? Trapped in China. As more Americans are airlifted out tonight, others remain stuck in the coronavirus hot zone. Plus, anger and fear, as some are locked in their homes and attacked for refusing screening. Shannon Doherty's cancer returns. The Hollywood star reveals a stunning diagnosis, stage four breast cancer, after beating the disease a few years ago. A wake-up call for women. Dramatic Everglades rescue. He was missing for days and near death, floating in the water. How first responders cracked the code to save his life. And no bones about it. In the dog-eat-dog -dog world of politics, this town has found the perfect candidate for mayor. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us. The breaking news as we come on the air tonight, the results 
or at least some of them, are finally in. After nearly a day of delay, Iowa's Democratic Party is now releasing partial results from last night's Iowa caucus. And in a surprising showing, Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders are now vying for first place in the delegates. Elizabeth Warren is third and Joe Biden is in fourth place. Now, this follows last night's mass confusion when precincts tried to report results and couldn't. They had an app for that, a brand new one, but it didn't work. The candidates have already moved on to New Hampshire, and Ed O'Keefe is there for us tonight. But we're going to be in with Major Garrett, who is still in Des Moines. And Major, this nominating process is getting off to a rough start. That's right, and candidates are frustrated because there's no clear winner. Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders appear to have done well, but how much momentum will these delayed Iowa results carry to New Hampshire? Nobody knows. And it's hard to avoid the conclusion, Nora, that the much-anticipated kickoff to this nomination process has fallen flat on its face. Nearly 24 hours after Iowans went to caucus, Democratic Party Chairman Troy Price said they only had 62% of the results. The bottom line is that we hit a stumbling block on the back end of the reporting of the data. Price blamed a problem with a mobile reporting app. We took the steps we felt was necessary, but we found a coding error last night once we discovered some irregularities as the results started to come in. The incomplete vote only adds to the confusion and will intensify the battle over who won and who deserves the spotlight. The state party made three mistakes before the caucuses, relying on the new app to collect caucus data, failing to train caucus workers and troubleshoot the app, and lastly, not deploying enough phone banks to take calls if the app failed, which it did. Sean Bagnaski, chairman of the Polk County Democrats, said they knew the app would be a problem. As of Thursday, we were hearing from most of our precinct chairs that they couldn't get the app to work. That happened statewide, so precinct chairs went to the phones, which were jammed. The lowest wait time on the phones that we heard last night was an hour and a half. Um, in many cases, it was two hours. With no final results in sight, the candidates filled the void. You probably heard we don't know the results. <laughs> well, it looks like it's going to be a long night. President Trump pounced on the bungled caucus results, calling it an unmitigated disaster. Nothing works, he said on Twitter, just like they ran the country. Major Garrett, CBS News, Des Moines. I'm at O'Keefe in New Hampshire, where the Democratic candidates are trying to process the newly released Iowa results. A campaign that some said should have no business even making this attempt has taken its place at the front of this race. I just don't understand what that means, to release half of the data. Uh, so I think they ought to get it together and release all of the data. The Bernie Sanders campaign believes when all the votes are counted, they'll be the winners. But they've been robbed of momentum. This is not a good night for democracy. I don't know what happened in Iowa. Joe Biden could benefit from the chaos as a clear third or fourth place finish in Iowa last night would have been viewed as devastating. So we don't know precisely how many delegates we have or how many we'll get, but I feel really good about getting more than our fair share. Now, the contenders have to rally New Hampshire voters ahead of next week's primary, which relies on paper ballots, not apps. Thank you, New Hampshire! If the Iowa results hold, it sets up a potentially bitter clash between 38-year-old Buttigieg and 78-year-old Sanders. And then there's Mike Bloomberg, who announced today he's doubling the size of his campaign staff and TV ad buys across the country ahead of Super Tuesday contests next month. 
Nora. Well, that's some big news as well, Ed. Thank you. Tonight, President Trump is putting the finishing touches on his State of the Union address. And when he enters the House chamber, he will come face to face with the Democrats who impeached him and the senators who vote tomorrow on whether to remove him from office. Ben Tracy is at the White House with some news tonight. Ben, what can you tell us? Well, Nora, the president is uncharacteristically billing his speech as extraordinarily low-key, but we learn that he has invited some marquee names to attend, including conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh, who just yesterday announced that he's been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. The president of the United States! President Trump will give his address in the room where it happened, the site of his historic impeachment less than 50 days ago. Article one is adopted. But White House officials say the president is not planning to utter the I word tonight. Instead, he'll focus on the economy and what he's calling the great American comeback. He will also tout the killing of Iran's top general, Qasem Soleimani. One White House guest is the widow of a soldier killed in Iraq by a Soleimani-supplied roadside bomb. We're going to talk about the achievements that we've made. Nobody's made achievements like we've made so many different things. The stock market is soaring, and economic growth hit 2.3% last year. But that's less than the 3% annual growth the president promised. Yet impeachment seems to be helping him. A new Gallup poll gives him a 49% job approval rating, the highest since he took office. Now, if President Trump does not mention impeachment tonight, he'll be following in the footsteps of Bill Clinton. Back in 1999, Clinton gave his own address during his own impeachment trial, and he avoided the topic. Instead, and this may sound familiar, he talked about the economy. Nora. All right, Ben, thank you. And CBS News will carry the president's State of the Union address tonight at 9 o'clock in the East. 8 central time. Hope you'll join us. The president is the first to run for re-election after being impeached, and the outcome of tomorrow's vote seems all but certain. But Nancy Cordes reports tonight on some news from Capitol Hill. I will be voting to acquit the president. In the wake of an 11-day trial, the jurors got their say today. That I will vote to remove President Donald Trump from office. I'm voting no on both of these articles. He absolutely, unequivocally, is guilty. Senate Democrats argued acquittal will embolden the president. Republicans in the Senate are offering him unbridled power without accountability, and he will gleefully seize that power. Republicans said a conviction would undermine the voters. The Senate has never removed a president. Though some did concede that Mr. Trump pressured Ukraine using U.S. funds. It was wrong for him to ask a foreign country to investigate a political rival. The party urged President Trump not to bring it up tonight. I hope he looks ahead. hope he doesn't dwell on the impeachment. In fact, it would suit me fine if he didn't mention it. His acquittal tomorrow is assured. So the only question now is, will any senators cross party lines in this historic vote? All eyes will be on Utah Republican Mitt Romney, along with three Democrats from Republican-leaning states. Nora? All right, Nancy, thank you. Now to our exclusive interview with Senator Susan Collins, one of two Republicans who broke with her party to vote for witnesses. But she's one of the Republicans saying his conduct was wrong, but not grounds for removal. Senator Collins, thank you so much for joining us. You call the president's actions wrong, improper. 
uh, that they showed very poor judgment in your words. Should the president apologize or acknowledge what he did was wrong? I think that would be helpful. Uh, President Clinton did that in 1999. It took him a while, but finally he did apologize for his actions. Are you confident that the president won't seek foreign assistance again? I believe that the president has learned from this case. What do you believe the president has learned? The president has been impeached. That's a pretty big lesson. I'm voting to acquit because I do not believe that the behavior alleged reaches the high bar in the Constitution for overturning an election and removing a duly elected president. But the president says he did nothing wrong. Why do you think he learned something? He was impeached, and there has been criticism by both Republican and Democratic senators of his call. I believe that he will be much more cautious in the future. You made an interesting observation in terms of Article II obstruction of Congress, that the House managers made the case that impeachment was a last resort. I believe they used it as a first resort and that they sacrificed speed for finality. They never bothered to subpoena John Bolton at all, despite naming him as a key witness. Do you think that was the fatal flaw? I think it certainly was an important flaw and caused them to present a case that was weaker than it should have been. Instead, they were bound by an artificial deadline, and yet they waited 33 days to submit the articles of impeachment to the Senate. You are up for re-election this year. Do you believe you will pay a political price for this vote? I'm sure there are going to be people unhappy with me in Maine. All I can do is apply the constitutional standard, and that's my job. My job is not to weigh the political consequences, but to do impartial justice, to live up to the oath that I took. Senator Susan Collins, thank you. Thank you. Well, tonight, another plane load of Americans evacuated from the outbreak zone in China is heading back to the U.S. And China is now coming under harsh criticism for the way it's handling that rapidly spreading coronavirus. Remy Innocencio reports tonight from Beijing. After an agonizing wait to be evacuated from Wuhan, the second group of Americans was screened on the ground before boarding the converted cargo plane. Priscilla Dickey is one of them. Looking forward to giving my mom a hug. I haven't seen her in five years, so. The flight will land in California, where passengers will be quarantined for 14 days. More State Department flights with evacuees will land at March Air Reserve Base and four other air bases. These include Camp Ashland in Nebraska, near a national quarantine center and biocontainment unit. Authorities are instituting a tough approach to contain the virus here. Social media posts show that this woman is said to have been arrested in a grocery store for refusing to wear a mask. This house was locked by authorities with the family inside. Still, life goes on here. A woman infected with coronavirus gave birth to a healthy baby girl in northeast China. The mother is in stable condition and the baby has tested negative. 
And most Chinese foreign nationals have now been banned from about 10 countries. That includes the United States. And a Chinese representative told the World Health Organization that all those measures are in overreaction. Nora. All right, Ramy, thank you. Well, we learned today that a second student has died after that horrible hit and run yesterday in Moore, Oklahoma. And as Omar Villafranco reports, the victims were on the cross-country track team running just a half a mile from their school when the driver jumped the curb. The violent hit and run has left many here stunned. That could have been me, you know, that's, that's what I think about. The sophomore who died this morning, Euridia Martinez, was running on a sidewalk with her Moore High School track team yesterday around 3.30 p.m. when the red truck slammed into them. And several kids were just run over by a vehicle still gathering more information. Senior Rachel Freeman, seen here last September when she was featured as an athlete of the week, died at the scene. And I fell in love with the sport and with the team. The driver, 57-year-old Max Leroy Townsend, was taken into custody just blocks away. The video appears to show police administering a sobriety test. Police say Townsend's own son died after he rear-ended another car on Sunday. Four other students were injured. Three remain hospitalized. It's hard enough for an adult to see and uh, witness something like that, but, um, you know, we're going to help these kiddos. We're going to help them through. A vigil will be held here at Moore High School for students to grieve. As for Townsend, he's in jail on a $1 million bond. Nora? So tough for that community, Omar. Thank you. Tonight, actress Shannon Doherty is bravely taking on a role she did not ask for. Doherty revealed today her breast cancer has come back and is now at stage four. Aside from skin cancer, breast cancer is the most common cancer in American women. One in eight will be diagnosed with the disease. And Meg Oliver reports tonight on why doctors think Doherty's story will make a difference. Shannon Doherty shot to fame as the bad girl in the 1990s cult hit Beverly Hills 90210. Look, I am not fighting. And fought evil spirits in the popular series Charmed. But the biggest battle yet for this season 48-year-old actress, the tearful admission she has stage four breast cancer. Why me? And then I go, well, why not me? Who else, you know? Who else besides me deserves this? None of us do. There are currently more than 150,000 women like Doherty living with metastatic breast cancer in the U.S. But oncologist David Aga says this is a teachable moment. The takeaway today is that breast cancer is not a death sentence. The hope is it's a life sentence when it's stage four. That the treatments we have now can keep the disease under control for many, many years. Hey guys. An update Doherty went public with her pain in 2015 when she was first diagnosed with breast cancer, letting her fans follow her journey on social media. <laughs> One of the big positives from Shannon Doherty going out and talking to the nation is that it's a wake-up call for all women. A wake-up call for women to get screened and a reminder there's life after the diagnosis. Meg Oliver, CBS News, New York. Tonight, a man who was missing for days while kayaking in the Florida Everglades is recovering after being rescued. 67-year-old Mark Miley vanished after setting out on a solo trip. Someone found his phone on a riverbank on Sunday, and rescuers used the phone's data to track his past locations. And guess what? That helped them find him yesterday. 
If you want a candidate who knows how to fetch votes and sniff out corruption, look no further than a tiny town in Southern California. That's where Maria Virial met the friendliest politician in America. As candidates await the final results in Iowa, <laughs> Yay, Max. Mayor Max knows exactly where he stands with voters in Idlewild, California. Max is a golden retriever. My favorite politician. Yeah. He's won three consecutive elections in this small, picturesque town. If it's a black tie event, he has a bunch of black ties. Oh, of Phyllis Mueller, Max's chief of staff, runs and funds the mayor's office out of her house. I mean, gosh, he's like immortalized. Idlewild doesn't have a local government, so residents here elect a ceremonial mayor. How did this even become a thing? Our animal rescue group came up with the idea to have it be a fundraiser where you paid a dollar a vote. The only time that you can actually buy an election. That's right. Like most successful mayors, Max has a nose for politics. Do you guys know why he has to wear a tie? Because he's the mayor. Oh, and the mayors have to wear ties? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Uniting people with different political ties is Max's mission. A lot of people say that they like the break from the divisiveness of politics and they appreciate the lightheartedness of it. No bones about it. Mireya Villarreal, CBS News, Idlewild, California. Well, doggone it, I know who I'm voting for. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, a side of Kobe Bryant that few saw, how he helped grant wishes for hundreds of children suffering from serious illnesses. And if you can't watch live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. We'll be back for the president's State of the Union address at 9 Eastern time. We'll see you then. And tonight we remember a beloved colleague. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast. I'm here with my producer, Becca. Becca, what can people expect on the podcast? The extended moments, for sure. Where can people get that? On The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert, wherever you get your podcasts. I use the internet. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition wherever you get your books.